Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Mastering the Room, brought to you by the Graduate School of Political Management at the George Washington University. I'm your host, Steve Pierce. Every episode on the show, we'll sit down with some of the brightest minds in politics, advocacy, and communications. They'll give us a behind-the-scenes look inside the room where it happens, share how their graduate school experience at GSPM helped them get an inside track to professional success, and how it can help leaders like you do the same. New episodes drop every other Monday, so be sure to subscribe to Mastering the Room on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your preferred podcast listening app may be. And if you like what you're hearing, please give us a rating or a review. Just a few seconds of your time can help us spread the word and reach more listeners just like you. And if you want to learn more about GSPM, feel free to check out our website at www.gspm.gwu.edu. And now, without further ado, here's a brand new episode of Mastering the Room. Hello and welcome to Mastering the Room. I'm your host, Steve Pierce. Every week we take a behind-the-scenes look inside the room where it happens, guided by some of the brightest minds in politics, advocacy, and communications. This week on the show, we're joined by Christina Ocon, an alumna of the Strategic Public Relations Program at GSPM and an experienced digital marketing and communications professional who has worked in with organizations ranging quite literally from the stars to the seas and everywhere in between. Christina spent much of her early career working in her hometown of Chicago in comms and digital roles for beloved local institutions such as the Adler Planetarium and the Shedd Aquarium. And in 2017, she hung her own shingle, founding Agency C5, a full-service digital marketing company that provides clients increased visibility, sales, and engagement through thoughtful strategies, which she still leads today. Running your own shop is no joke. And one thing that all founders know is that the work never stops. So we're very grateful to her for taking a few minutes to join us today. Christina, thank you for taking, taking some time to chat with us today. Thank you for having me. Let's, uh, let's start at the beginning, uh, which is where we always start on this podcast. Where does the story of Christina Ocon, uh, <laughs> nay, Christina O'Connell, I found out in our conversation yes. before this, which is just a, the, a fabulous uh, and fascinating factoid that you just basically mm-hmm. got married and took four letters off your name. Right. Uh, where does your story begin? Where were you born? What was your family like? Uh, what were you like as a kid? Where does this all begin? Sure, definitely. Um, well, I was born um, in Flemington, New Jersey. Um, about an hour outside of Manhattan. And um, I lived there for the first seven years of my life. And um, both my parents are Midwesterners. Uh, my mom's from the suburbs of Chicago and my dad grew up in Milwaukee proper. Um, so when I was seven, we moved um, to the Chicago area and um, lived there for you know the past almost 25 years. And uh, just recently actually moved to the Bay Area this past May. Um, so like I said, lived in Chicago for a long time. Um, I have a sister who is eight years younger than me, Mackenzie. Um, so she was born in Chicago and, um, still in the Midwest. She's still in the Midwest now. And, um, I have family out in California. That's kind of what brought us here. So, um, just slowly creep my way across, across the nation, starting out East and now out West, um, which I think I'll probably be here for the rest of my days. Um, but you know what I was like as a child, I think, um, you know, it was always important to me to be a great big sister because we had such a large age gap. I had always wanted a younger sister and it was exciting to, to finally get one, um, and, you know, spend time with her growing up. And, um, I've always been very family focused and, um, love being with my family and celebrating holidays and vacations and such with my extended family. And, 
um, sports wise, it's kind of actually what got me into GW. Um, I actually, I don't think I mentioned this to you before our call. Um, I did my first year of undergraduate, um, at George Washington. Oh, interesting. And yeah, I was on, um, a swimming scholarship and, um, what was your stroke? What was your stroke? Butterfly. 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 That's a tough stroke, man. That's (laughs) hard. It is tough. Um, but at that time in my life, I just felt like I was a little too far from home. So, um, you know, spent the full first year at, at GW and then came back and decided to go to school um, in downtown Chicago. And um, that's kind of one of the things that led me back for my master's was, you know, I really loved GW. I loved, um, you know, the experience I had there. It just wasn't the right fit at that time. So it was great to be able to to get into that again in pursuit of my master's. And when you when you transferred closer to home to DePaul, did you swim at DePaul or were you I just did not. a normal student? I was just a normal student. That was actually one of the reasons I picked DePaul because I didn't want to go to a school that <laughs> had swimming. Um, ah. I felt like, you know, a big part, you asked about my growing up, I felt like a big part of, um, you know, my childhood experience was swimming. And I feel like I was able to really um, excel at that, right? But that maybe some of the other things that I would have wanted to do, I didn't have as much of an opportunity to when you're, you know, in the pool five hours a day, two practices a day. Um, you know, I would have liked to be involved in some other activities, like maybe student council or, um, you know, some more clubs that those kind of things at school where you just don't have the time. Um, and I wanted my collegiate experience to be, um, you know, to have the opportunity to do other things. Um, and I was concerned if I continued to swim, I might not have that. So um, I'm so impressed by, you know, student athletes who can, who can do it all, right? There's so mm-hmm. many, I have many um, close friends who, you know, swam or did another collegiate sport all four years. Um, but I'm glad that I, that I decided to, to, to do something a little different than I thought I would do. Yeah. And kind of that's how I got into my, you know, actual career. I would have never thought what I'm doing now, I would have been doing when I was, you know, 22 years old. Right. Right. And that's a it's a it's a great point. And as somebody who's just a, a huge sports nut and who's written and podcasted about sports and spent a lot of time talking to collegiate athletes, um, you the dedication that it takes to to do that, even to get to that point. Right. Mm-hmm. You're talking about how right. so much of your, you know, growing up years you spent in the pool. Uh, it takes just total dedication. And the people I don't think people who like watch these sports on TV as a spectator really understand that if you make it, if you can make it to a, you know, especially a division one collegiate level where you're like you did, where mm-hmm. you're competing in these sports, uh, as a scholarship athlete. Uh, and I say this as admirably as possible because I have incredible admiration for them, but like, you're kind of, you're, you're kind of a freak. Like the, <laughs> the, the people who, the people who can do that are like yep. so far and away more athletic and like better at this than anybody else. Um, it's, it's, it's crazy. And that only comes with obviously a great amount of, you know, just natural ability, but also a lot of practice and a lot right. of, you know, hours in the pool or on the field or in the gym. Um, and so, you know, I always have a lot of admiration for people who, who, who do that. Well, thank you. And yet, you know, I don't, I have no regrets, you know, it was always my goal. Even when I was, you know, a little girl, I would love to, you know, obviously we all want to be like professional, you know, athletes, right. We want to go to the Olympics or, you know, be an actress or, you know, we have these big aspirations. And I knew that, um, when I was little, I was like, I want to go to the Olympics. And then as I started to get older, I felt like that was starting to get a little unrealistic. And then I knew, you know, I want to swim division one. 
So that had been my goal. And I worked towards that and I, and I feel I reached it, you know, and I made the decision to not continue, but it was my decision. It wasn't because I didn't have the talent or I didn't have the drive or, you know, what it took. I felt like, you know, I had reached that goal and I made that own decision for myself. Um, so like I said, I made great friends when I was at GW for that first year of undergraduate. And, um, I still am like such good friends with my freshman year roommate, um, (laughs) that I was randomly paired with. We just talked on the phone yesterday for an hour. Um, so great experiences there. I love Washington, DC. Um, so I knew eventually I'd want to somehow get back involved either with GW or with DC. And so you, like you said, you transfer Mm -hmm. to DePaul, uh, you have a, a normal collegiate experience, uh, which I hope was wonderful. Um, and then you eventually, you know, you, you, you find your way into this whole, comes PR path. What was your path into this whole world? How do you figure out that this is a like a job that you can do and b like this is what you want to do with your life? Right. Um so my freshman year at GW I was um undeclared and undecided. So was basically just taking gen ed classes and just seeing what types of things I might be interested in, but really at that point had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, and then my sophomore year, once I got to DePaul, I started taking a couple of the, like the intro to communications classes and, um, at DePaul, they also have a public relations, um, major. And I decided to take, you know, the PR class. Cause obviously you, you sometimes see, you know, PR and com roles like in media. And I was like, that looks like that could be cool or interesting. You know, and I'm sure it's not exactly what you see on TV, but, mm-hmm. um, was curious to know more about it. And, Um, I really, really enjoyed the class. Um, it wasn't normal for me to always like love textbook reading, but I felt like when I was reading the books that were, um, geared to PR and comms that I enjoyed it. I looked forward to it. Um, so I felt like that was a positive and, um, being at DePaul in the city, and I'm sure, um, people can speak to the same experience at GW, um, that your, your professors are adjunct mostly because they're also working professionals. So, I was lucky as I continued on the PR path that um, I had professors that worked at agencies or, um, you know, maybe they'd retired from the agency life, but um, they had so many incredible guest speaker opportunities. Um, I remember at my time there, we had speakers from, you know, Edelman, um, Walker Sands, um, Gatorade, you know, Pepsi, all these different, um, you know, consumer packaged good companies, um, sports teams all sorts of different organizations who would come in and speak about their experiences. So I think, you know, just as I continued to take these classes, it became of more and more interest. And it was easy within that first year, you know, my sophomore year at DePaul to make the decision that this is what I want to be doing. Um, And then I really worked to get more involved in that. I joined um, the Public Relations, the Student Society of America and got heavily involved in that and um, helped organize, you know, trips to different agencies and, um, a regional conference, you know, where people over the Midwest came to Chicago for, um, it was called, what was it called? Um, PR, the Chicago way was what the conference was called. And we had speakers from McDonald's and, you know, a bunch of different corp, you know, companies that were headquartered in Chicago and came in and talked about like their PR and communications experiences. We had a young professionals panel and just so many great opportunities. I think being in any, any big city, um, to, you know, cultivate that experience, um, more so maybe than 
um, schools that are in more like rural areas. I think being in a city school, we have a lot of advantage. And I think it's important to try to take advantage of that when you can. Well, I got to tell you, I uh, I personally prefer both my hot dogs and my pizza to be done the <laughs> Chicago way. Yep. So I'm actually very intrigued to find out what it means for PR, uh, yep. but maybe maybe another thing for another day. Yep. Um, y- your first job out of college, I believe, is, is with Riley Connect, which is mm-hmm. a digital marketing and communications firm. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you get your foot in the door there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, actually, one of my adjunct professors, Susan Riley, um, founded Riley Connect. And uh, when I had graduated, I um, I did a long internship at Ketchum Public Relations. Mm-hmm. And um, as that was wrapping up, um, she had just happened to reach out and said that she wanted to hire an entry-level um, candidate for her firm. And would I be interested in talking to her more about it? So I did, and it worked out great. Um, I was there for a year and learned a lot, got to do a lot, um, because it was a small agency. Um, you know, I feel like that's always a great opportunity to wear a lot of hats, right. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, creating media lists, doing pitching, um, working at press events. We got to travel a lot too. Um, I went on, I think two or three big, um, press trips and we were there for clients, which was really cool. In my first week I went and, um, met, I think her name is, um, Dara Torres, the Olympic swimmer, actually. Mm. Um, she's the oldest female Olympic swimmer from the United States ever, I believe. And um, we hosted an event, an influencer event in Minneapolis, and it was a cycling class, and she led it. And it was very cool, just, you know, right off the bat, week one to be involved in a project like that. Um, so it was a great experience and um, really thankful for, for all that I got out of that role. Absolutely. Yeah, we talk about this a lot on the podcast, actually. But th- those first jobs, they teach you so much that you that you carry with you into the future, even if it's just basic things like how to be a professional human being uh, and have a normal, you know, job. What were the biggest lessons that you learned from kind of this period of your career when you were just getting your feet wet and, and diving in and, and figuring it all out? What were you able to learn then that you know has been helpful uh, on the path that you've walked since? Definitely. I think, you know, obviously during college I had, um, internships, but you know, it's never a full-time setting, right? Like the Mm -hmm. most it would be, would be two or three full-time days a week. And then you're at class or taking night classes or whatnot. So I think that was really the first experience where I had been in a nine to five type of environment. Um, so I think just like kind of, you know, that's like when you really grow up as you realize that this is like the foundation of the working world. Um, you know, and you have to be there every day at the same time. And, um, I think understanding when, um, to ask for help on a project, but also understanding when to try to be proactive and figure out answers for yourself. I think that was something that I struggled with early on in my career as I wanted to make sure I was doing things correctly. So I would uh, ask for help or ask questions before I would try to solve it myself. And I think through feedback and then just, you know, practice, I learned I can do this. And just to have that confidence that it's okay if I do it wrong, if I'm, if I'm working to try to figure out the answer and like that my, um, that my team or my supervisor can see that I'm working towards what they're, they're hoping to achieve. So I think that was a big learning lesson for me is, um, trying to be proactive in, you know, the tasks I was given. And I think another big thing, just working at an agency, I noticed this both at Ketchum and at Riley Connect was 
prioritizing. Um, I think it's one, one thing to prioritize, you know, when I was a swimmer and prioritizing school and um, swimming and just how am I going to get everything done in a certain day um, with homework and extracurriculars. But then I think it's another thing when you have client assignments and or client projects and they're all on the similar deadlines and how do you prioritize the workload. And I think in those early jobs, I really had a better grasp of that um, and how to manage a client workload. And I think that's obviously I've continued to excel at that skill, um, you know, every year, right. As you mm-hmm. continue to work in the working world. But I think that that was one of the most important things in those initial years. From there, you move on to become manager of public relations and digital content at Adler Planetarium in, in 2015. What was that change like, particularly going from an agency setting, which you'd also done, it sounds like, your internship at Ketchum in an agency mm-hmm. setting, now going to kind of an in-house setting? What was different um, when you made that change and how did you kind of adapt to that new environment? Definitely. So um, I actually left Riley Connect. Um, I was laid off at the end of that first year um, just due to, you know, obviously fluctuating client needs. Mm -hmm. And I felt like after that, um, I was interested in seeing what in-house might be like. I figured, you know, at that point in my life, you know, I'm here, I am a year out of school. I'm laid off from my first job. Um, Curious about, you know, trying to find a job where I felt like there might be a little bit more stability Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously there's not <laughs> client changes when you work at an organization like that. Um, so was interested too. you know, obviously I'd grown up, you know, since I was very young in the Chicago area, I'd grown up going to Chicago cultural institutions. That was something that always was always important to my family and they wanted us to have opportunities to learn outside the classroom. Um, so I have so many fond memories as, you know, as a young girl going to the zoo or, um, you know, going to the Shedd Aquarium or going to the Museum of Science and Industry, all that type of stuff. So when I found this job posting, I had no connection to the museum. I had no con- connection to, you know, astronomy or space. Obviously, it was of an interest. You know, I'd seen um, Apollo 13 and, and that kind of thing, but nothing, <laughs> you know, nothing like groundbreaking, like, wow, she's meant to be, you know, working at a space museum. Um, so I just applied and um, was, you know, we'll see what happens, right? And you know, I was delighted to get the call and I went over there and I'm not sure if you've ever been to Chicago or in that area, but, um, the area that the museum or that, um, the Adler Planetarium is in is called, um, museum campus. And it's, um, on the more South side of the city, um, right on the lakefront on Lake Michigan. And if you're standing outside the entrance to the building, you have like a gorgeous view of the Chicago skyline. So it's like every day I would park at work and get to look at that. And I just always felt so, so thankful and so lucky to be there. Um, so it was an interesting transition. You know, it was like my first, I think my first week or two, um, they opened a new exhibit. So I ran, um, you know, a, a media junket for it and, or a press junket and, um, you know, invited a bunch of reporters to come in and tried to put together a timetable, um, they hadn't had someone in like formally in just a communication or just a public relations role prior to this. They had like um, a communications and marketing department, but not someone who solely focused on PR. Um, so that was one of the reasons that um, they were hiring for this role. And then I also oversaw social media in that role. Um, and that quickly turned into digital content. So also the website presence. So I truly, truly loved my time um, at the Adler. I felt like it was such a rewarding place to be. 
Um, I have never worked in a place before that where, you know, you'd have so many kids running around mm-hmm. <laughs> throughout your workspace. It's not like a typical workspace. Um, but it was always different every day. And I think that was something that I truly loved about it. Um, something else I think from a PR standpoint, obviously there's brands that people find more interesting or more sexy, um, mm-hmm. you know, or it's just easier to get press for. Right. And I think, right. you know, museums are one of them. You have a new exhibit. Um, people are going to want to write about it. You know, you're going to have Chicago, right. You know, Chicago press that are going to be interested in coming to it. Um, you know, obviously if you have any sort of like, you know, a solar eclipse or any sort of like space happening, um, that was also a great time to, um, have our astronomers interviewed, um, on radio shows, on, you know, morning shows, all that sort of stuff. Um, there was never ending opportunities to secure press. So it was a really fun way, um, to just further my experience in the industry and um, get more comfortable with, you know, planning events on my own and preparing talking points for our CEO. And um, like I said, the different astronomers or uh, the vice president of marketing for various um, speaking engagements. So, and then, you know, from a social media perspective, really, you know, just trying to continue to grow the channels. And, um, you know, at that time we were working to integrate more video content into um, the social media platforms and do campaigns where we showcase more of the staff um, mm-hmm. and more of the behind the scenes at, you know, at the planetarium. And we found those to be really successful. It's around this time uh, in 2016, I believe that you find your way to GSPM. And obviously mm-hmm. uh, you were familiar with GW from your time there as an, as an undergrad, but how do you find out about uh, about GSPM? How do you wind up there? How do you make the decision uh, to attend uh, remotely, obviously, from Chicago? Because mm-hmm. that's where you're mm-hmm. working. How do you make the decision that this is this is the thing you want to do with your nights and weekends? Absolutely. Um, well, I felt like, you know, like I said, during this time at the Outer Planetarium, I was just really continuing to hone my PR experience and skill set. And, um, you know, I felt like I got so much out of my undergrad experience, but I felt like there was still more I could learn. Um, you know, and obviously you can do, you know, you can pursue, you know, your master's degree at any point in your life. But I kind of figured this was the time of my life that I wanted to do it. I figured after I, you know, I knew I eventually wanted to have kids. I felt like it might be a little harder then. I just felt like this was the perfect time to do it. I had a ton of energy, a ton of drive, um, just desire to, to just continue learning. Um, so I just started looking around, like I mentioned to you before, I always knew I'd some, I somehow wanted to get back to GW or to, you know, Washington DC in some capacity. And while I knew, you know, I was pretty set with my life in Chicago, I was like, I'm going to see if there's any remote opportunities. I knew I I had heard of this program before I actually met, um, the director of the program, Larry, um, in 2012, actually, when I was at DePaul, but he was in San Francisco for a PR essay conference and my chapter had gone. Hmm. So I actually met him, um, met him at that conference and he told me a little bit about the program. So I kind of always had it in the back of my head. I was like, Oh, that's cool. You know, I remember he, you know, gave me a hat from the school and, you know, (laughs) told me, you know, in a few years, if you're interested, you know, let us know. Um, so I, you know, kind of looked back into the program and, um, you know, worked to get some more details applied and, um, was thankful to, to get started. And right at that time, um, I actually started the shit aquarium too. So I was starting, you know, remote school as well as transitioning into a new job at that time. 
I'll have to make a note here to pass along to our friends with the GSPM recruitment team that they need to invest in more hats uh, to pass <laughs> yeah. out to students at conferences. Um, it's so a selling you, point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, got a, you got a student out of this. Mm-hmm. Keep ordering yeah. those hats. Give, give those freebies out. <laughs> what was uh what was your what was your gspm experience like obviously uh you know you'd been uh an undergrad on the foggy bottom campus before mm-hmm. i think a lot of our gspm students you know do go in person uh, in yep. foggy bottom but we obviously have a uh an expanding uh offering of online courses and there's a lot more students these days uh taking classes remotely uh, especially in this uh this weird time that we live in now. Um, what was what was your experience like as a GSPM student uh, from Chicago? Um, and, and, and how was that experience for you? Yeah, um, I'd done a couple of remote classes during my time at DePaul. So it wasn't like I'd never done a remote class before. Um, what I like about the remote offering is just the ability to do things on your schedule, given that I was, um, you know, working, you know, when I was at the Adler and then when I went over the shed, there was a lot of after hours work, right. With the press opportunity. So you might have to, um, go in early in the morning because they want to do a live hit, um, you know, from the museum for the morning show, or you might have to stay after for some event, um, for press in the evening. So, I was concerned about doing like an in-person program, which is my um, hesitation about whether or not I'd be able to go to the same class times every single week, week after week. So with the online program, that was a nice option where, you know, sometimes there was opportunities where they would, you know, want you to be on during a certain time. But a lot of times, as long as you were obviously, you know, doing your reading, um, you know, taking the, you know, logging into the online portal and uh, reading the lectures or attending the webinars, all that sort of thing, you were able to continue moving forward in the process. So I think that, you know, this is a great option for people with um, maybe a little less stability in their day-to-day schedule, uh, but still have the drive to want to do the program. I think there's some flexibility as long as, you know, you're hitting your deadlines. So you're working during the day uh, at uh, first the planetarium, then at the aquarium, uh, and then you're also going to school at night. How, and on the weekends, I'm sure, whenever you mm-hmm. could fit it in, yep. um, how was what you were learning in the evenings uh, relevant to your to your day job and, and what you were doing uh, at the planetarium or the aquarium? And how are you able mm-hmm. to kind of take those lessons and apply them immediately You know, during the workday? Definitely. Um, I think, you know, obviously with, you know, the advanced writing course, um, I think that was obviously useful immediately, right? I mean, in any situation, we can always be better or excel more at writing. Um, So that was something that I used right away. Um, We also had the finance class. um, And I thought that was also interesting as someone who was working on, you know, PR campaign budgets or sponsored content budgets um, for social media campaigns. Another thing that um, I used right away at at the Shed Aquarium um, was we were doing a lot of strategic planning when I had joined the team and um, just communications plans. So, you know, breaking things down from goals and objectives, um, strategies and tactics, what are the key messages, um, timelines, all that sort of thing. And those were things that we also um, worked on in class. So I feel like I was able to um, you know, change the process a little bit for how we did things or how I was putting together work through immediately through what I was learning in class. Like maybe I would set up this document a little bit differently 
um, or just the feedback I would give to a team member. Um, I had a couple of young women who reported into me at that role and um, I felt like I was able to give different feedback um, just based on, you know, what I was learning at that very moment. Yeah, you've obviously now uh, graduated from GSPM and you've gone on to even more success uh, in your career in the years since. Looking back, you know, what do you think is the most valuable thing that students can can take away from their time at GSPM, whether they're in person or they're remote like you were, um, that will help them, you know, succeed in their career path, whatever that is? What, what's what's the big thing and valuable thing that, that folks can take away from this experience? Yeah. I would say for me, just continuing to hone the expertise in public relations and also your confidence. Um, you know, not only are you, you know, a graduate, you know, from a university, you know, for your undergraduate degree, but you've also excelled, you've, you've decided to, to continue your education for your master's degree. Um, I think that it makes you even more marketable as a candidate in a lot of roles. Um, and I think for me, the flexibility of um, having the master's degree has opened up more doors um, for me and my experiences to date. You mentioned while you were at GSPM, you you had changed jobs from the mm-hmm. Adler Planetarium, went to the Shedd Aquarium, uh, the the skies to the seas, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> The museums, planetariums, aquariums, these public-facing institutions uh, of knowledge. It's a very unique space uh, to work in as a communicator and one that I've been able to dabble in a little bit in the, in the past myself. In your mind, what's, what's the biggest lesson or insight that you took away from your time working in that you know, very unique space that you've been able to kind of apply to the work that you've done since with other clients and in, in other industries. Yeah, no, it's interesting because the work I'm doing now with my clients is mainly B2B. Mm. Um, so I'm not as consumer facing, you know, or public facing as I used to be. Um, but I think, you know, what I enjoyed most with that, like I said, was, um, you know, going to events or going to exhibit openings and seeing the happiness um, really on children. I know it sounds cliche, but seeing the happiness on children's faces. I mean, truly, that's what I would get to see every day. Um, It was truly the most rewarding work. You know, sometimes there were those long hours or, um, you know, being in, you know, these cultural institutions, you're typically on a smaller team because these are nonprofits. Um, And, you know, they they're trying to you use the money they are generating um, through, you know, ticket sales for programming, you know, putting mm-hmm. it right back into that. So I think, you know, in those roles, if that's something that, you know, people listening in are interested in, I think, you know, it's important to be scrappy. I think that that's something that a word we use at both um, the Adler and the Shed is to be scrappy and, and work together and help each other. You know, um, I had people in different organizations or different um, departments who would come in and help with the media events who were, you know, completely unrelated to any PR comms marketing role. Um, but just because we needed the support and they were happy to do it. So I think, you know, being adaptable and, and being a team player is important in those type of jobs. Yeah. And I think that applies, um, to any job that you're, you're in, whether it's consumer facing or B2B or, you know, a totally Mm -hmm. different thing. I think what helps us as humans feel like, 
uh, our work is worthwhile and rewarding is when we see it show up in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you saw obviously in 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 this context, you saw it show up on on the faces of the kids who you know came in to experience the planetarium or the aquarium, um, which I think is wonderful. And 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 before we move off this topic, I I do have to ask. Um, since you worked at both, and I apologize if this is like making you choose between your children, <laughs> aquariums or planetariums? Like, what yeah. do you prefer? Yeah, um, I think planetarium. Oh. Um, yeah, I know. I know that the people would just assume, you know, there's animals at the aquariums at the aquarium. But I really I felt like the planetarium was a magical place. Um, we had a dome feeder and just, you know, if you walked in there and like saw a sky show or you know, where they would put stars up on the ceiling mm-hmm. in there and you just sit in there and you listen to calm music. I mean, you can't beat it. You know, and I know that wouldn't be the same answer for everyone, but I think um, I made some really great girlfriends mm-hmm. there too. Girls I'm still friends with or women I'm still friends with now. Um, and I think just having, feeling like you're working with your friends every day is huge, you know, and that you're growing together, you're having success together you're building something bigger than yourself with people that you really like love and respect. I think, you know, that was unbeatable for me. I got to say I would be team planetarium too. If only (laughs) because my experience with the planetarium is at my local planetarium growing up, they would have like the laser shows. Oh Uh, yeah. They do like the pink Floyd, (laughs) dark side of the moon laser show. And you, you can't say no to a laser show. It's totally it's pretty awesome. Uh, <laughs> and they don't have a lot of laser shows at aquariums in my particular experience. Although, you know, I do yep. love a turtle. So you never know. <laughs> yep. uh, <laughs> um, in 2017, you take a big swing and you kind of strike yep. out on your own to found uh, Agency C5, yep. which is a digital marketing firm that you still lead today. Mm-hmm. Um Starting anything from scratch is obviously a huge risk. Um, what motivated you to take that plunge? Because people have all sorts of different motivations for deciding <laughs> to go out there and do their own thing. Um, people like me, you know, ha- have like dreams about, you know, maybe I'll do this, but they're too scared to do it. What makes you finally do it? Definitely. So I was, um, you know, working at the aquarium and taking class at night, and I felt like my job at the aquarium was getting a little more demanding than I had originally anticipated when I had taken the job. Um, and I was at a point where I felt like, you know, if I continue at this job, then my schoolwork is going to suffer. Or if I really apply myself to school, my work's going to suffer. So I'm like, something has to give, right? I just, I was not in the position where I felt like I could successfully do both at 110%, which is what I felt both deserved. Um, so I decided to leave the aquarium and just focus on school. So I was able to accelerate the program a little bit. I was taking two classes at a time after that. And I picked up a couple freelance clients during that time, you know, working probably like, you know, 15, 20 hours a week on top of the two classes. And I was enjoying that. And I had always just figured, you know, when I was done with grad school, I would, you know, maybe be done with these clients or maybe I would finish the projects I was working on and I would go back and get, you know, a nine to five or more standard job. Right. And, um, as the time went on, I was really enjoying, you know, I was doing remote work and doing remote school and I felt like, um, it offered me a lot of flexibility and it was nice to be able to pick the projects I was working on and, um, you know, have so many different things to, to do, you know, I was, you know, doing 
school, but then also working on PR for one client and then working on social media for another client. So once I finished up school, um, I was like, I feel like this could be something that I could really run with. And why don't I really give this a, sh- give this a shot? See if I could do something. I felt like, again, kind of like you know, going to grad school at the time I did, this is the time of my life to try it. I didn't own a home. I didn't have a child. Like I didn't have, a, you know, I didn't have some of these like big life responsibilities yet. And, um, and I decided to do it and I was able to grow it. And I'm so thankful for that. Um, so, you know, since 2017, I've, um, you know, I've grown a team and I've grown my client base and the types of work that we offer and, um, really enjoy what I'm doing. And I, you know, my husband asked me, um, a few months ago, like, what, what's your dream job? And again, to sound cliche, I'm like, I'm doing it. You know, mm-hmm. like I, this is what I want to be doing. I'm, you know, I never have strayed once I, you know, started taking the PR and comms classes. I never strayed from wanting to do that. There's never been something else I'm interested in doing and getting to do it and run my own business. Um, is even more enjoyable. You know, I felt like one of the reasons I decided to found my company was I was like, I feel like it's a great opportunity for work-life balance. Mm -hmm. Um, now I know that's not always the case (laughs) Right. when you run your own thing, you work all the time, but I don't mind it because it's something I built. And I think that's the difference is, you know, I've built this company and, um, I have a great, a great team that I work with and I have amazing, incredible clients. Um, so I really, there's, I wouldn't change it. I'm so, so grateful. And I'm so fortunate to be in the position I am. If you ask anyone who has done it, they'll tell you that running your own shop is is both incredibly rewarding, which I think you just spoke mm-hmm. to, and incredibly hard, right? Right. Um, what's been the most rewarding part of the agency C5 journey over the last few years for you? And, and what's been the hardest part? Yeah. Um, well, I'll start with the hardest part. Hardest first, we'll do um, <laughs> worst to best. Um, I think obviously COVID nineteen and the whole pandemic has been a challenge, you know, for for all businesses of any size, but I think especially small business owners. Um, so I think you know, obviously, I had clients who were greatly impacted, and that impacted my business. Um, you know, I had clients pause, I lost clients, but I also gained clients. You know, it's all it's all relative, I guess. But I think you know, obviously, COVID um, impacted my business in a big way. So I would say that's been the most challenging thing to date. Um, and then I think the most rewarding is, um, you know, being able to grow a team, you know, originally Mm -hmm. when I started back in 2017, I was a one woman shop and, um, you know, doing everything on my own, but being in the position now where obviously I can't do it all on my own, um, and being able to bring in, other team members who some have similar skills to me, some have different. Um, I'm able to offer things that maybe I wouldn't have been able to before because I don't personally have that skill set, but I have someone who um, that's their expertise. Um, I think also someone just to bounce ideas off of that's not, you know, your clients. I think that's been really great and being able to brainstorm and collaborate with, with other people. And, um, you know, it's been great too. I'm currently working on a rebrand of, um, the logo and the website and, and all of that. And to be able to, um, work with the team who, when I originally made the website, you know, it was just me and now I'm mm-hmm. having more feedback and more ideas. And it's just like, it's so rewarding to see that. And I'm excited to, to be able to launch that. But I think, you know, getting to work on different projects than I ever thought I would too, has been really rewarding. Like I worked on the national restaurant show 
in Chicago um, for an old, you know, for one of the people I actually worked with at the Adler went over and was in the marketing department there. Um, and that's how I got that job. I think it's been cool to see like my past life connect to my current life and then what opportunities have come from that or um, especially now like client referrals, you know, clients I have referring me to other clients. And then that's been such a huge and rewarding piece of business too. You hear digital thrown around a lot these days as kind of a magic buzzword that, you know, mm-hmm. sprinkles fairy dust on anything you happen to add it to. But I'm not sure folks always have a really great grasp of kind of what they're talking about or what that word means or what it actually looks like to do digital well in the year 2021 yeah. in a, you know, rapidly shifting uh, media and media and communications environment. As someone who works in this space, you know, every day, What's one thing you wish people understood about digital marketing or digital communications and and the work you do that that they may not? I think with the continued rise of digital communications and digital marketing, there has been an increase in the amount of analytics and data you can get from that. Um, You know, I think sometimes from a public relations standpoint, it can be hard to prove, you know, impressions or... um, you know, the article sentiment and that kind of thing. Like what are, what are people really always getting from that, you know, one PR hit in, you know, an online publication. But I think a lot of times now with, with digital communication and digital marketing, digital marketing and um, social media that you're able to track um, impressions and engagement and likes and comments and just the continued um, dialogue. That's been something that I think is important. And it's something I try to showcase to my clients too. Um, you know, can we get, um, can we get something trending? Can we get a hashtag to be clickable and can we track, um, results based on that hashtag, all that sort of thing. I think that it's, um, a field that's going to be continuing to grow and change. I think, you know, obviously where it was five years ago was completely different from now. And I think, you know, five years from now will be the same thing. So I think it's also important just to continue, um, trying to stay on top of like what's going on in the industry. Um, I remember, you know, when Clubhouse came out, I can't remember if it was late last year, early this year, you know, we all, like everyone on my team was trying to get acquainted with what that is. You know, Mm -hmm. how could this impact our clients? How could our clients use it? And, you know, all these sort of things, Um, you know, any type of new technology that's, you know, coming into our space, I think it's important to try to try to stay on top of. You know, running, building your own business is obviously, you know, there's a part of it that's, just a highly personal endeavor. It's uh, you're kind of like leaving a, a legacy or building a legacy that you you know you leave behind in, in some form or fashion. If we were going to have this conversation again, you know, however many five, ten, fifteen years from now, um, what would you hope to be able to say that you were able to leave behind as a result of, of this work you're doing now and, and and all that you've done to and will continue to do to to build agency C five? Yeah. It's so funny you say that. Um, I know I mentioned before we got on our call today that um, I have a seven-month-old daughter, Stella, and mm. my family always jokes around that she's like the future CEO of Agency C5. <laughs> and it's so funny to like hear people say that. And I had never really thought about like just as an individual person or you know as a business owner, I never really thought about like my legacy, you know. Um, but now I feel like that's, you know, having a child has changed my perspective and, and obviously my life in many ways. Um, but I think that I hope that, you know, 
you know, in five or 10 years, I really want to continue to grow the business. I feel really, um, I feel like I still have that same drive I did when I was 22 years old. And I hope that I always have that, um, you know, for my business and wanting to continue to grow the team and, and, you know, have our confidence or have our clients feel confident in the work that we're doing for them. Um, all my clients, um, you know, I've really honestly had, you know, my, my most major clients I've had since day one, you know, mm-hmm. um, I've been lucky that I've been able to continue to, um, build on that and, you know, expand the work I've done for them. And obviously, like I mentioned before, able to get referrals from that. So my hope would be in five or 10 years to continue to grow, um, you know, in the verticals that, you know, we were more specialized in and continue to grow the team. And, you know, right now, um, even before COVID, we're a distributed team. So we're all, we've all worked remotely in different parts of the, of the country. So it would be great. You know, I guess a goal for me long-term would be now that I'm in the San Francisco Bay area to maybe open up an office somewhere out here, um, or somewhere else, maybe go back to Chicago and open up an office. Um, but I have a lot of future goals, um, goals for the business. So I hope to continue to, to have it grow and thrive. Last question. There are a lot of opinions about what makes for a successful career. In your experience, what have you found to be most important? Is it what you know or who you know, or is it some combination of both? Mm -hmm. I think it's a combination of both. Um, Before starting my own business, I would have just said what you know, but I think a big part of especially owning your own business and trying to get new business is who you know. And I think it's important even, um, you know, as we get older and, um, more into our careers to continue to try to network and put yourself out there. And, um, I think that's, you know, so important, but I also, like I said, think it's important to continue to learn. Um, you know, I graduated from the program a couple of years ago, but I don't think that my learning should stop there. Hmm. You know, I, I think it's important to read, you know, relevant, um, you know, industry publications to, go to industry events to um, continue to talk to other colleagues in former roles and hear what they're doing in their new roles. I think that that is also important to continue to grow, you know, as a person in our field. Wise words from a wise person. Christina Ocon, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today to share uh, some of the lessons and insights that you've picked up along the way. And obviously, you know, best of luck to you as you continue to to build your business and and uh, build a, a bright future for Agency C five and you know for your family for Little Stella we're uh, we're excited for you and 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 we're rooting for you. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure, and I appreciate your time as well. Thank you. <laughs>